physical education and I am bringing you another episode and I have some wonderful guests some repeat guests and we're going to talk about the exciting 50th anniversary of NAPEC so the National Adapted Physical Education Conference in California I've attended it's been wonderful and I have Dr. Barry LeVay retired professor California State University, Long Beach, and we have Kathy Russell, and it's from Los Angeles County Office of Special Education. Um, and we want to say thank you for having us on, Scott. And we really appreciate you, you letting really, us promote the conference. I really appreciate you both coming on and talking about it. I'm, I'm happy to have a, a platform for you all to tell people about this wonderful conference. I have attended before, and it's uh, one of the greatest conferences in the area of AP, maybe even both, uh, that I've ever been to. Um, it has a really great mixture of practitioners and researchers um, working together and collaborating and, and kind of creating ideas, disseminating ideas. And there's also a, a family feel there too. Yeah, it's, it's had a very long history. Um, it started back in, uh, not 50 years ago, but 50 conferences ago in, in 1973 um, with a group of people that really were looking just for that, putting out professional development uh, for, for folks in uh, adapted physical education. So um, they pulled in from all different areas, medical, uh, uh, therapeutic, nursing, uh, to try to get everybody in there. And, and initially, you know, we had some pretty big names in there. We had Dr. Brian Craddy and, and Dr. Um, uh, Frostig and uh, Jack Keog and uh, just among a few of the names that we've had over the years. And the Alliance also include people like Jan Seaman and um, Dr. Robert Campbell from Los Angeles County Office of Ed and, and Dr. Um, uh, Bob Royce uh, as well as well as some people from the medical profession. Back then it was the um, crippled children's hospital that they had. And they had one of the medical professionals from there as well that would, were a part of it. And so over the last 50 years, it's been pretty exciting. Um, we still have gone strong. We still have had some of the biggest names uh, attend our conference, uh, like Dale Ulrich, um, uh, Joe Winnick has been to our conference, Greg Reed, Barry LeVay, I'll give you credit as well. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, Lisa, some in French. I mean, people that you see in our profession um, have all attended here. Sue Tarr from, from Minnesota, you know, and so it has. It's brought people in from all over the nation over the past 50 years, and we're super excited for this year's conference. Absolutely. I want to ask one quick question that I had when you said that it's the 50th anniversary, but it started in 1973. So obviously it's 2021. So did you like double... Yes. Okay. When, when yeah. was that? I'm just curious. So that was in the first few years. They were having them every six months. And so there was a need. Um, I think um, uh, one of our keynote speakers uh, for this one will kind of go over the history this year. Right. But, um, Bob, Bob Royce, um, who was there at the beginning, and, and he, he talks about how he had eight teachers that weren't even called adapted PE teachers, were not credentialed. This was before IEPs. And they were expected to go out and, and teach kids um, with some sort of um, medical condition 
not even what we would think of as as identified disability. Um, and they're like, I got I got to train them. I got to do something. So this is how this all came about. Um, really was a dream of theirs to pull in all these resources for everybody. Yeah, Scott, like, so Bob will, will talk a little bit about like those first uh, couple of years, they, these were in services with LA County and they, this was before 94-142. This was, they, they even used terms like remedial PE and you didn't even have the 13 disabilities. You might have a kid with Osgood slaughters or asthma. And, and so people were just really starving for attention you know, starving for uh, what do I do to provide physical activity to, you know, children with uh, disabilities or special needs. And so uh, that's how it really started, Bob, like in doing a work, uh, an in-service in 1971. The, the, fir the first conference um, at 73 was yeah. um, techniques and methods for handicapped children and youth, putting it all together. And it really was just about that is what do we do with students that have, have all these issues? So um, it's pretty cool how it's evolved. I mean, we got all the way to this past year where we were trying to do distance learning. So we certainly have gone through a full roller coaster uh, of things over those, those 50 conferences to, to get here. Um, to this, this being able to be a celebratory conference. Yeah, and, and now that you're saying that too about distance learning, you really have like there, you know, things have kind of changed, haven't they? If you went back to the 1973 one to now. Um, and with that, you know, I know that this year's conference is going to be virtual. And obviously, I assume COVID had something to do with that. But can you talk a little bit about the decision uh, process behind putting the conference to a virtual platform? Yeah, our, our big our big hope was to be able to all come together. We, we, um, we had our conference last year was virtual and, and, and the team did a phenomenal job of pulling it all together and, and, and doing it on a, on a virtual um, scale for everybody. And so we really were looking at being able to bring people in and hoping things would be opened up. Um, but a lot of the regulations um, through public um, public health department uh, down here and and what we could bring to a, a live conference, um, the restrictions of, of having to check for vaccines or having people tested, the limited capacity in rooms, um, even the hotel wasn't even sure when they were going to open by the time we needed to make decisions. And, and I really have to give them a little bit of a shout out because they were phenomenal in working with us and saying, hey, um, come back and see us, you know, when we can all, all be together. Um, really kind of all played into those decisions because we didn't want to bring people together and then have everybody go back and, and you know, because we are national, we're bringing them from all over, but we are under the, the county guidelines of public health. And so we have to follow the rules that are within our state and our county lines. And um, just with, with everything that they had going on there, we felt that um, we wanted to focus in on a really great celebration, but one that, that people could, could do safely. You know, Scott, what's interesting is, you know, because the conference, if we, if we were going to have it live, was going to be in, in L.A., um, there, were, there were a lot of people like when we said we're going to have the, the conference virtual, you know, you got to remember, think back to like a lot of people felt like in June things were really opening up or and there were people that would would contact and say, what do you mean you're not having it? Uh, 
you know, live and, and, and uh, looking back now at the time, it was still, you know, a lot of people thought that the country were, were going to make this big pivot and, and everything was going to open up. And now looking back, it's great that, you know, we decided to do that, but it was, you know, when we met as a committee, it was, you know, there were people that questioned that. And, uh, but uh, because of what was going on in LA and, and the, the, I can't stress enough, like the point Kathy made, the hotel's been really, uh, positive and said, Hey, we'll, you know, we'll have you come back in a couple of years and, and do it live at the hotel. And, you know, so I think that's an important point. And, you know, it was very different like seven, eight months ago, you know? Absolutely. So. I, you know, a few things on that, I think, you know, I think it can be a positive in a number of ways. Obviously people thrown throughout the country can join throughout the world can join. And I'm right. sure you're going to get a lot, lot of attendance that you wouldn't normally get, which is awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Um, we really have had a good outpouring um, for our sessions and for our speakers. I mean, uh, we have so many different areas uh, throughout the nation of people that have applied. Um, you know, universities just alone, we, you know, we, we always get a good pull from, you know, Texas Women's and Arkansas Tech University is, is thrown in their hat this year, Humboldt State. Um, Cal Poly Pomona is always a great one. We have the University of Wisconsin, several of their campuses. I, I, I have a laundry list of where they're coming from. Westchester University, of course, Cal State Long Beach and, and San Jose State University. Um, Cal State University East Bay, uh, along with North, Cal State Northridge. So we really are getting quite a diverse, and that's just the universities. That's not even the speakers that we're getting from all over. Um, you know, that are, are just, it, it's phenomenal, um, the ability to be able to pull these people in and have them being presenting. Um, we're going to have over 50 plus uh, uh, sessions. And so that's really going to be awesome for, for people to, who are attending to get the latest, both, as you said, in research and also in, in practicum and, and be able to have that. Now, one, one other thing too about the virtual setting that I don't think it's said enough and I think it's still something that like we're navigating as like professionals and such, but I think there's a lot of accessibility that mm -hmm. could be provided with people with disabilities as well. Um, I know that's something that's been like somewhat talked about thus far. Like there's been some stuff on people with physical disabilities, not having to miss as much class because it's online. So, I mean, I think also you maybe are creating a more accessible conference this mm -hmm. way too, um, to, you know, people with disabilities, which is who we want to serve. Absolutely. We, yeah. um, we're really excited about that. In fact, all of our sessions are going to be closed caption um, and they're all being recorded. So just exactly what you said, we have for anybody that is registered and attending, one of the unique advantages to this is you're not paying for travel. You're not having to come in and fly and, and do all those expenses, find a sub and take time off and, and do that. You can view any of the sessions at this conference from now or from when the conference starts through the end of June, um, they will be accessible to anybody that is a, a registered attendee. So if you don't have time, if you can't make a session because on Thursday you're teaching class and everything, but you wanted to go back and see it, or you wanted to go read back and see one, or there were two at the same time that you've always wanted to go see, you will now have access to be able to see all of them and recorded with closed captioning. Uh, uh, format. So it really gives you quite a library of professional development to be able to be, to participate. Right. 
And I would say, Scott, like for university professors that are doing professional development, this is a real selling point to get their students to register because they have till June 2022 to look at all of these these different sessions because we do have uh, you know breakouts and we'll have five sessions going on simultaneously. But they can look at all these conf- uh, you know. And I know later on in the podcast, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about all the different talks and the variety of talks that we have. But for um, students and for practitioners especially. There's just uh, a wide variety and there's something for everybody that dealing in adaptive PE. That's one thing we've really worked hard uh, to put together. Well, as we're so. still talking about kind of the, the virtual uh, learning medium, can you tell me a little bit about the, I think it's Socio and, and so, how this might be different than other platforms? Yeah, so I think, I think one of the biggest issues with the virtual is that everybody's so Zoom tired, you know, of being in Zoom meetings and, and Google Meets and for your classroom and everything that when you see virtual, you're like, that's the last thing that I really want to do and, and doing that. Um, the thing that I like about the Socio platform is the fact that um, there's lots of opportunities, like we said, for recording the information, but also for networking. There's lots of abilities to go into virtual chat rooms and talk like you would be sitting in a, a lobby, uh, you know, meeting up with your, your fellow colleagues and friends and catching up with them. Uh, there's that opportunity to, to do that and to connect with every attendee that's, that's in there. Um, we have a, a, a wall, you know, that you can post on. So if you have job opportunities, again, it's a bulletin board. It's a, you know, so there's a lot of interaction with this, this uh, particular platform. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to connect on it. And I think that the way we've got it structured between um, the breakouts and uh, the exhibitor booths that we have with our, our premier exhibitors, um, that are in there where you can go and, again, have access to them through June. So if you all of a sudden decide, hey, I think I want to order something, you can now connect with them. Um, it's linked to their website, so it's a direct link. You're not having to search for it. Uh, it just really, the whole platform itself was just very user-friendly and, and easy to use. And once, you, once you're, again, registered, you will have access to all of that. Um, and I think those are some of the unique features uh, for Socio. Yeah, did, did you want to talk about the socials, Kathy? Like as far as, because that's yeah, kind of- Yeah, so we're also, because we do, it is a celebration. We do want to connect people. We are tired of looking at each other on screen. So we have we have several socials that are that are happening. Our, our first- uh, our, our first night, we're, we're having our, our welcoming panel and followed by a social that's a trivia night. And you can win prizes. We actually have um, had some donations of some really cool items and from Palo Sport and some, some other people uh, to, that we will be, be doing. So we have professional trivia people coming in and doing a, a full-on trivia night. Um, the next night, um, we are going to uh, have our NAPEX speakeasy with one of our uh, mixologists that's going to teach us how to make some old Hollywood drinks, uh, including a, uh, a mocktail for NAPEX for anybody that's non-alcoholic uh, uh, choice. And um, following that, you can take your drinks and join us for a, uh, a premiere of our Academy of Stars as we do a kind of a Hollywood walk down fame of the years and, and show a, a nice little slideshow for everybody 
everybody. And after that will be some breakouts for some of the, the groups that normally get together and they go to dinner. We've, we've set up some uh, opportunities for, for them to go. I know um, some of the universities in the past have had connections where they've been able to bounce out and that they can go meet in a, in a Zoom room and, and reconnect a little bit and, and see, see old friends and do some of that. Um, so there's lots of, lots of ability to connect. Um, and of course, we want everybody to tag us at hashtag NAPEC50 so that we were being followed on all of our, our Twitter accounts and everything. So yeah, our hope is to, to still make it feel homey and connected, um, even though we are at a distance. Yeah, the, yeah, Kathy was sharing about a lot of the CSUAP you know, programs are going to have alumni rooms where uh, the students can go in and former students and teachers and and meet just like a social, you know. So, so there's a lot of, you know, Kathy's really worked hard with her committees to, to promote this social aspect of, of, of the conference, which I think is important. And we also offer a gamification event. So we have an ongoing game event running. So depending upon uh, what you're doing, there is a leaderboard. And depending upon the code you put in and who's winning, you, there are prizes to be won there as well. So for those really competitive folks, we do have this game event going on through the whole conference. I got to say, I love the mixologist idea. That's pretty neat. <laughs> Sure. Uh, you could do. Why don't you do that at the beginning of every uh, every uh, <laughs> day? <laughs> I'm sure she would be happy to. Um, uh, all those. Uh, and, and then on Saturday morning, we do have some early morning wellness. Uh, we yeah. have a, a Zoom a Zumba class and a yoga class uh, for our, for our early birds that want to get up and, and stretch and, and have one of our instructors uh, lead them in a little Zumba or some yoga as well. So that's awesome. That's really great. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you have a ton of like trying to, yeah, like get that affective domain going a sure. little bit where we're socializing a little bit more. And I think people, you know, I think I'm a little, I was very zoomed out. I think it's actually, I'm, I'm okay with it again um, because it's, there's been a little bit of, you know, more face-to-face -face stuff now. So I think it's great. And then I'm um, talking a little bit more though. We're going to talk about the programming a little in like a moment but before we talk about that so i know that you're going to have a whole bunch of experts on there you're going to have wonderful people so is there um aside from just in the sessions is there ways the attendees can interact with these experts absolutely um for everybody that's in in there uh there is a, a it, it for privacy's sake, there is a button that's a contact button. So for instance, if I um, wanted to talk to um, Barry about something that he said in behavior management, uh, I'm not putting out his personal private uh, uh, email, but I can hit the button and type him a message. He gets the message and we can connect on that level. He can answer questions and follow up. So for all these wonderful speakers and everything, there are follow follow up buttons that are in there for for people that are there to be able to to uh, access. And um, for speakers that have documents, the documents will all be preserved on it as well, so that that um, attendees can go back and look through the notes and and uh, connect with them. So um, and those links are are again set up to to emails without giving the email information for privacy's sake. Then that would be something that you know each person could regulate. A little bit about the different programs that you have. So who are some of the keynote speakers? You sure. have 50 ses sessions. You said that's quite a bit. 
So you don't, you can't go through all of them, but what are some, maybe some of the uh, concepts, some big speakers that are coming? Um, I think, I think that'll get everyone riled up and excited for this. Sure. So first of all, I want to, you know, acknowledge uh, the, the program committee. So beside myself, there was uh, Margaret Weimer, who just recently retired as an adapted physical educator for uh, over 40 years in, in Cerritos. And she's been involved for many, many years with, with uh, state council and, and been involved in, in the adaptive people uh, with SCAPE and been involved with uh, helping with the program. And then uh, Melissa Bittner is also uh, on the program committee. So uh, we sat down and we really worked hard like the past year or two, because, you know, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think a conference is only as good as its sessions. And so one of the things Kathy kind of alluded to Thursday to kick off the first keynote is a panel of, of uh, four uh, professionals with the four of them have over 200 years of experience in adaptive PE. They've all been to the conference. I feel really old. Yeah, but I mean, Bob Royce is going to talk about how he started the conference. I think it's exciting. You know, Bob is still around and still involved. I mean, it started out as a as a workshop, you know, for remedial PE and to see what it is uh, now. And he's going to he's going to talk about those first years. And then Kathy's going to talk about the trends and the highlights of, of the conference. And I think it's it's really interesting to look at trends that occur you know, uh, which are similar to what's sometimes what's going on nationally in our our field. And then Perky uh, Vetter, who just recently retired from, you know, she taught for over 40 years adapted PE and and was the department chair at Pomona. She's really going to talk a little bit about um, some of the really cool sites that we've been to over the years. It's even it's a national conference. It's always in California. Only one time has it been outside of California was in Las Vegas. But we've always had it in, in somewhere in California. She's going to talk about some of the sites. She's going to talk about this, both her and Kathy are going to talk about Kayford uh, and SCAPE connection, like our state council on adaptive PE, who really are is the heart, you know, blood and uh, of this conference. And, and then um, Joni. Vertebra, who is going to talk about the impact of legislation um, and on the conference and how those blend together. And uh, Perky and Joni are going to tie in the California AP guidelines. And that's really helped us, you know, have this message when people have questions about adaptive P administrators. And we have these AP guidelines that were started with SCAPE. So that's Thursday's uh, session. And it's not, uh, it's at around four o'clock. Uh, uh, one of the things we should probably mention is because we have people on the East Coast, we're having some of our sessions earlier in the afternoon so that like for four o'clock for, for us is seven o'clock, eight o'clock for them. So they'll be done by, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at, at night. Then we're really excited about our two uh, keynote speakers for uh, Friday. So uh, the kickoff Friday morning, we have Dr. Christy Roth, who's uh, at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point who's a real national leader. Um, and she's basically the author of uh, Principles and Methods of Adapted Physical Education and, and has expertise not only in adaptive P, but in education, but technology at, at Stevens Point. And so she's gonna talk about probably one of the more timely 
uh, topics right now that you could think of is resilience and adaptive PE because everybody in the last couple of years has really had to pivot, adapt and use technology and change from day to day, from hour to hour. And so her keynote is gonna be on resilience. And I know uh, Scott, that you had her talk a couple of summers ago. Uh, she has some real expertise in technology and, and just a really great professional, a really good practitioner and, and bridging that gap. But we're also really fortunate because she's going to give a couple other talks. She's going to do a breakout session on grading in adaptive PE, which is an area that's overlooked. And we're not talking about IEPs. We're talking about actual like grading. And that was based on an article that she uh, published in Joeford last year that was discussed on, on your podcast. And then we're really excited because she's going to do another session where um, she's going to talk about uh, methods and, and strategies for working with some of the more severely disabled or significant disabilities. And for many, many years, she's been working with her students at Stevens Point where they um, put together a number of activities and modifications and equipment for um, that population and that's she has a youtube channel with that and and we can uh load that on the on the notes if you want uh i can share that with you, that youtube site and because she just has a lot of expertise and so we're very excited with christy and then um one in keeping with the trends of the conference we always try to have a speaker that has had a lived experience uh with disability and we're really excited because we have um from LA, uh, Candace Cable, who is um, basically nine-time uh, Paralympian. Paralympian. She's won six gold medals. She won Boston six times. Uh, she's in the Paralympic Hall of Fame. She's from the LA area. And since retiring, she's dedicated her life to basically spreading the word and, and talking about um, using sport as a medium to advocate for people with disabilities. And she's not only going to, her keynote's going to be looking at sport as a medium uh, to advocate, but she's also going to talk about a, a really interesting is 2028 Paralympics is going to be in LA. So it's going to be right here in LA and how a lot of these participants and AP teachers could be getting ready uh, for that. And then she's going to do a follow-up talk um, where she's gonna talk about transition and uh, recreation and physical activity for people with disabilities. And I'm really happy. One of the things is we have over six different breakout sessions that look at community-based type of instruction or transition, which is an area that a lot of times is overlooked. So that'll tie in to that. So we have a number of those talks. And then finally, uh, Friday, you know, that, that's those are the two keynotes on Friday. On Saturday, when we have our closing ceremony, um, we're going to have Tanya Moore and uh, Dr. Melissa Bittner are going to talk about the state of physical fitness testing in not only the state of California, but nationally. There's a lot of things going on right now behind the scenes, especially with fitness gram and human kinetics regarding fitness testing for the disabled. And they're going to give us kind of an update on that. So those are the, um, the keynote sessions. And then, like I said, we have over 50 talks from people from all over the uh, country. And these talks range from preschool all the way to transition. Uh, we have a number of, you know, categorical things. We have um, 
two organizations that are very involved with autism. So for example, we have Exercise Buddies. Uh, that's one talk. And then our own LA, Acing uh, Autism, Acing which looks at, looks at tennis. And, and they're both going to be sponsoring. They're, they're sponsors for our conference, and they're going to talk about that. We have a number of university professors that are going to present on a host of topics, like some of them, like, for example, delivering services during the COVID. Um, we have a talk on action research and because uh, and collecting not only just data on um, goals, but also on behaviors. We So we have a number of university professors that are going to give a, a, a number of talks. I think that's one thing that we're really good at with this conference is bridging the gap between theory and practice. Um, one of the things that the conference is also known for is, and we wanted to make sure that we did this because it's hard to do virtually, is we have over 12 different programming idea um, presentations that really range and have some really creative things. There's like, for example, let me give you one example of a talk is that um, writing lesson plans using uh, Harry Potter and Hogsworth, you know, like, like things of that creative things like that. Um, we have two of the toy shape um, award winners that are going to present about their, uh, they, they, they presented at shape and one of them's our own Cindy right chase from california that's going to present so we just have a wide variety of of of, of talks you know that, and there's something for everybody uh we have a number we probably have six or seven sport for the disabled ranging from special olympics all the way to paralympics we have um the coach who just came back from tokyo with bocce is going to be talking we have um emotional social learning we have a talk on that which is a very hot topic right now and i think if you look at our talks there isn't one particular thing uh that that's out there um it's just a we worked really hard to have you know a variety of, of topics the last thing that we have that i think is kind of unique is we're going to have um four talks that are in chat rooms and so those four talks are going to be on assessment preschool, behavior management, and what's the future for the California AP guidelines. And so within those chat rooms, there's going to be one higher ed pro professional facilitator and one practitioner. So uh, it, behavior management, you know, you'll have a, a higher ed person like myself, right? And then also Brad Wiener is going to be in there and uh for the practitioner and you can come in and you can ask questions and, and you, we can just fill as facilitate discussion. So those are four chats. And one, one thing we're looking at too, is that what's the future for the AP guidelines? Because the last time that the guidelines were developed with 2012, there's still a lot of relevant information there, but I think it's good to start having a, a conversation about that. So, so that's kind of an, an overview of the conference and the number of talks. And like I said, uh, you know, Melissa and Margaret have worked very hard. Um, uh, Kathy, you know, mentioned briefly, but we've had some of the same people who were involved in the 20th, the 30th, every time it's the 10th anniversary, it's a really strong committee. Uh, people that have been involved for many, many years in the conference. So, we've, so we've, we're, uh... we're excited. We've always done, um, LA County has always um, tried to uh, host the anniversary conference. We've always tried to have a, a bid into it since we started it. Uh, on the fives, it's it's LA Unified. They tend to take that 
so they, they're always the ones trying to run those. And then we've always flipped it back and forth. Um, getting back to those virtual rooms, the thing that I like about them is they're very intimate. Uh, it's a small group of attendees that can bounce in and out of them, but it, you're not going to be in a large Zoom room with you know 30 people asking questions. And so you're able to be with the experts. You're able to really have some personal time with them and, and shoot questions or, or have a discussion of something that's relevant in those areas. So that's, that is another unique feature of Socio and one that we're happy to capitalize on. Yeah, it's, I mean, all the things that, like, all those sessions that you just talked about, I mean, those are all, like, potential great podcast episodes. They're all, sure. like, there's so much you're talking about that sounds great. I, I do think, though, that a little bit of your stuff, at least, like, the resilience and the online learning and, and such, you do have, a, like, definitely a theme about some of that and that you're even right. doing it online. You can probably pick up, like, there's a theme probably throughout that it's online learning resilience, and it's been a rough few years for all teachers or at all levels. Um, real quick, I need to back back up for a second because you said something at the very beginning of that that I have to stop and ask you a question about. So there was a NAPAC at in Las Vegas. Do you is there a story with that? Is there a is there a uh, a podcast friendly story with that? Is there well you know and I think that's kind of interesting. What was the name of the hotel? Because they had all these um uh, the, the hotel <laughs> when was it when was it first I'm pulling i'm pulling it up for you just because it it is an interesting thing um one of the biggest issues um and why we don't go out of state and particularly to places is districts will not play for us to go to um, right pay, pay for us <laughs> to play um and so this was a one-shot kind of deal uh i, I found it it's 1997 Yep. And the hotel where we stayed had all these uh, famous impersonators. The Imperial that, that Palace. Was, the Imperial Palace is known for its impersonators. And so you go down the lobby and there'd be Tina Turner and Michael Jackson and that that type of thing. And um, and there was this group of AP teachers from Las Vegas in the late 90s. Las Vegas was just exploding and they hired all these AP teachers. And a lot of them were from California. A lot of them were former uh, CSU uh students and Kathy, Kathy Francomoto I think right and, and Kathy Francomoto was there who had attended every conference and so we had this real connection with with Cal uh California and uh things were really happening in the late 90s in Las Vegas and uh so so that was interesting we've had it in Vegas and you know we've had it at Knott's Berry Farm we've had it at um uh you, you know Solar? like Silomar was yeah and so Silomar was neat because you're right next to you know the the 17 mile drive that that was good so we've had it it's you know we we try to have it south north central uh we really try to have it in some remote areas it's it's kind of hard sometimes to have it in some of those places but then administrators see what's going on in adaptive p it's almost like an advocacy thing to have the conference like say in in central california you know, I think it, it is important. Uh, one of the wildest ones we ever had, we had it at Sonoma and we had a wine tasting and it, <laughs> that one got kind of out of hand. And so that, that was a good one. And yeah. We've had, so. we've had a few of those. They did for the Vegas <laughs> one, just so you know, as they were promoting it, they did uh, the year before when they wanted people to go, they were handing out poker chips to everybody to try to get them to, to, to go to Vegas. So it was kind of a fun thing that they were doing. 
This does sound fun. So, yeah. Oh, you know, one other thing is that was interesting. In 2010, we have it. We had it at the Mission Inn in Riverside, a very famous hotel. But it was joint with Nafapa. We yes. had a joint conference with Nafapa, and that was great. And we had people, you know, from we've had people in the past from Canada. We've had Greg Reed as a keynote speaker, but but we we had a number of Canadians at that conference, and that that was a great that was a great conference and a lot of people it was joint you know and, and you know this the conference you can't really have it without kafer that 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 relationship okay but really state council on adaptive p i don't know if everybody knows that that's a, a over a dozen people that are on the state council and most of them are practitioners you know or teachers and they're the ones who really make um you know they they meet for at least four times a year and they they do a number of things a number of advocacy things but the biggest thing is just putting on the conference year after year i mean that's it's impressive well, you know and the and the unique thing about them too is the fact that they are um, from all over the state so as yeah. big as the state is the representation is to to encourage um, people from all over the state not just university people but practitioners yeah. um, from from rural from from uh, you know, suburban, you know, from cities, wherever. And that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of been always our, our pull in, in that is having representation that um, defines our state. Yeah. And, and Scott, I, I want to reinforce that because before I came to California, I was in three other states and it was always higher ed people that had to make things go. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I really liked about California was that you had this committee and on the committee you only had maybe a couple of higher ed people they were all like real teacher practitioners that were on that state council and really involved in that and and also the state council like the ap guidelines a lot of people think like the california commission on teacher credentialing uh supported that and they did support us but it was our it was the money that we generated with the state council that really made the guidelines we, we've paid for a number of the state council has paid for a number of things to happen and writing position papers, writing the, cal the, the guidelines, helping with the standards for you know, CSU, APE, that, that type of thing. State council is really instrumental in making things like that happen. And the reason I'm saying this is I think that other states should, that's the approach to take, is you really need to get a, a, a larger committee together. You need to get practitioners aboard and we've often sent, in a lot of states it's higher ed people you know. we've sent people from our council to um speak out day as well in uh washington dc so we we have been uh advocating on a national level as well so and and i know like a few years ago we did a podcast with a panel from napac and talked about the history and and yeah. why it's so special and um and I'll, I'll put that in the blog and notes and all that so that people can see that too if they want to go back and, and hear that perspective too on it. Um, but I do, you know, to me, that's like the biggest thing. And, and I like that you're doing it online for that purpose is that, you know, I think there's a lot of states, um, you know, that have something much smaller or new that might not laugh, you know, a lot of these things. And, you know, I've been part of these things that you try, it's a lot of work, you know, and a lot of yes. it's creating a community, like one person can do it maybe for two or three, four years. But, at, you know, if they don't have that community that that's built around it, eventually, at some point, it, it's not going to last. And uh, you all have that. So I think it's more, you know, it's great that you're sharing that. There's obviously a few. There's Minnesota has a really strong one. And 
it's seen, I think Maryland and, and North Carolina, I think has a nice one too, mm -hmm. but you all have been the consistent and, you know, strong and, and it's great that you're sharing it with the rest of us. And hopefully, you know, as I think we said in the podcast a few years ago, is like just, you know, and that hasn't happened. I don't think to least any big degree since then, but like to get the word out to others and help it create this community. Cause um, you know, from that, obviously you create so much, with guidelines and best practices and, and research slash practitioner collaborations. Before we kind of wrap up and talk about signing up for the conference, I actually want to hit on that point one more time. I think we've kind of, we've talked about it briefly about the importance of the researcher and practitioner, like working together, communicating with one another at this conference. And I do think it's unique because I think you have a really nice blend of it. There's always you know, at higher ed conferences, there's always a few um, practitioners and then in more practitioner, there's always a few higher ed people, but I think you all have a great blend of it. And I just want to hear from your perspective why you think that's so important. Well, I think you can't stay current if, if you don't know the latest in trends and you don't get the latest research and you don't know what's out there. Um, I, I think that that's, that's one of the big things for us to continue to grow. If you don't, aren't able to apply some of the research in your, in your practical um, settings, um, it's, really, it's really tough. And, and I, can, I can speak personally from my experience and you know, listening to Greg Reed and, and some of these other folks on, on autism, when I even went back for my master's and was looking for something to do, um, I was really fascinated with how can I engage students with autism and get them physically active and into uh, active you know, with their heart rates. And, and so I really took a look at how I could use um, the different you know, we fit and, and the exercise stuff to try to do that and see if there really was some sort of correlation building on some work that he already had done. And we found it beneficial to the point where we were ordering stuff like that for our classrooms and using them and implementing them in in a in a real life setting so i think that that was you know that's just one very small example of how research um was able to to um i don't want to say trickle on down but but be implemented in a um in a positive way and uh you have it, it's it's also balance if it's all research and and you aren't aren't doing the practical point of what do you do when the kid has a behavior? What do you, you know, this is all great in theory, but if it's not great in practice. So mm -hmm. it, it feels like it always has needed to blend to me personally. Right. And, and uh, the way I'd respond, you know, nothing endorsed but change. And, you know, if I like to tell my university students, if the only person you're learning from is me, you're in trouble, you know, and you need to like, you need to read, you need to learn from others, you need to, uh, be eclectic and learn from other philosophies. I, that's 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 critical, but but also this idea like where my mind always goes because I taught you know uh, I was an itinerant APT I was an AP teacher I was a self-contained AP teacher. My first place goes is when I look at read something or I look at research I go, how does this translate? How can we operationalize this? How will this make for uh, better student learning? you know, for students with disabilities. Why are we even doing this? You know, um, I, I mean, obviously research is important for research's sake and to advance the field, but it's also, sometimes I think we forget why we're doing this is so that, that students with disabilities uh, can enjoy and have the joy of movement and, and how do we motivate them? And I remember uh, the first ha-ha moment I ever had, I was in my 
you know, third year of teaching adaptive P in the public schools in Illinois. And Carl Eichstead asked me to help him with some fitness testing and to collect data uh, for some, I had 75 children with intellectual disabilities and I started to have them run the mile and they ran for about, you know, like a um, hundred yards and then they all sat down and stopped and they said, Mr. LeVay, this is too hard. And I remember standing there and saying to myself, wow, there's got to be some type of alternative item to this. And this is what I want to do. I want to like do research, but I want it to translate and to so that you can use it in your teaching. And so I think that that's that's the critical uh, piece. But, you know, everybody has a place, you know, people in higher ed and doing research. But. But many practitioners think they get a degree and then it, your learning is just starting, you know? And um, I think of the last thing and then I'll get off my soapbox because this is my thing is that George Harrison, you know, and all too much, he, he would say, you know, the more I learn, the less I know. So in his, you know, and it's, it's the Beatles and he's one of the number one AP people, right? George Harrison, so there you go. I I would I would agree with Barry and what he what he was saying uh, too because I feel like that's that's one of the things with, as a, an administrator over the years that I looked at in my teachers was who could apply what they were learning and how could they continue to adapt and and modify their own skills and pick people's brains and get more information and bring it into the classroom setting for our kids so that's why I've always felt that way too. Can I give a quick shout out though to some of our sponsors because we've got some really incredible ones. Yeah. We have, um, we have the University of South Carolina, who is going to be a, a premier sponsor. And so I want to thank them, uh, of course, for, for sponsoring us this year. Um, we have uh, Acing Autism, which Barry alluded to as well. They're another premier sponsor that we have. Um, we have SyncWords, which is our closed captioning. They've donated quite a bit of time and energy uh, in being able to closed caption this uh, for us. So, so I want to thank them. Um, of course, we have uh, Exercise Buddy, um, which, which uh, Barry said as well. Uh, Los Angeles County Office of Education uh, with the Care Art Curriculum will, will also be another sponsor on there. Um, and we have a few more that are coming up. So um, I'll, I'll leave the rest of them guessing, but I definitely want to give a shout out to our premier sponsors. And we've worked hard to get sponsors. That, uh, we have a, a, a committee just just for, you know, getting sponsors. And that's always a fun thing. And practitioners love that. Like, you know, they're always getting equipment and that's that's really important to, to teachers, you know, the whole equipment thing, right? So. Big time. Well, yeah. I think the last piece is how do people sign up? So I'm planning on having this out on the 13th. And I know that the deadline for early bird registrations on the 15th. Um, so hopefully, so when you're listening to this day of, when you're jumping on to listen to what's new in APE, sign up right away. Um, and we're going to have a link on the show notes as well as in the uh, blog post. But can you tell other people um, that are listening how to sign up and maybe some of the, the details of signing up? Sure. Um, you can go to the KFERD website, which is www.view.ca hperd.org org and you can uh, go ahead and click on there there's a link right there to take you to napec 50 uh, where you can see uh, not only the program um, but information regarding some of the socials you can register right there 
Um, make sure when you're registering that uh, we have, do have some fun things because we are missing all of our ribbons for all of our attendees and people that are there. So make sure you check the buttons if you are a teacher of the year or if you, with your uh, state association or, or shape and you're joining us, um, or if you're if you're a, a past award winner or, or any anybody along those lines that we, we have listed there, we, we want to make sure we, we thank you and honor you uh, in the celebration of our Academy of adapted PE stars. You know, Scott, and even if you don't pre-register, it's not that much more expensive. And, and it's not for, because it's virtual, it's not very expensive anyway to begin with. And so uh, you're going to put that link in there and, and we'll have that for you. So it's, I, I think it's well worth it. And again, I, I would really, uh, the higher ed professionals, uh, professors should really get their students if they can to um, attend the conference because they'll have access to till June 2022 of all these different talks. You know, I think the, the, the students and practitioners will really benefit from this. And I'm, as well as the network to be able to, to connect with people that, that you might yeah. not have an opportunity or know how to have connected with them, you'll be able to connect with all of them. Absolutely. And I was going to say, like, I teach a intro to AP class in the spring. And I'm thinking about maybe having them sign up, even though they won't be, I won't be seeing them until February. Way to be proactive, Scott. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There you go. No, I thank just you wanted to much. say thank you. Thank you for letting us promote the conference. And, you know, it, we really appreciate all you do, Scott. And we appreciate the advocacy that you do with uh, what's new in adaptive PE because it's, it's really important. I just hang out and talk to people. There you so. go. All <laughs> thank right. you so much. And last thing is that I hope you're enjoying New Hampshire now that you're at UNH, congratulations. And now that you're a New Englander, you need to be following the Red Sox, the Bruins, the New England Patriots, and the greatest NBA franchise of all time, the Boston Celtics. And let's make sure that gets in the podcast. All right. Okay. Thank you. And I'm a <laughs> avid Pistons fan. And uh um but we will leave uh, here very real quick too on that uh i once had a complaint because um i had justin hagel on he's a big nba fan he's a, he's a right. Knicks fan he's, yeah i remember you talked a little yeah, basketball well, at the beginning I had, we talked like eight minutes about uh the blake griffin trade actually with the clippers right and somebody wrote like a, a comment on the post of like this was actually a really good podcast if you could get through the first eight minutes of nba talk <laughs> So, so we only talk about like Thursday.